Here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballin in one of the Sunday morning services. And this morning, just want to you know, introduce a new series of sermon on prayer. Just on prayer. And this morning, what we are going to do today is a kind of introduction to the series of sermons that I would like to do maybe in the month of May and June. You know, as you know, the month of June is a prayer month because we have early morning service at the church. We are having 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock early morning service. It's not the early morning, it's the morning service at, uh, uh, at our church. So we'll have one hour of praising God and worshiping Him and just praying for a couple of things. And uh, every day, the prayer, early morning service goes on in our prayer conference from morning 6 o'clock to 6.30. So we will have them connected to our service that point of time. So the focus is on prayer. God wants us to pray. You know, as I was preparing for this sermon, as I was, you know, just getting ready, preparing myself to share with you about prayer, you know, God was putting the burden in my heart that some of our prayer lives are broken. Some of us pray very little and some of us do not pray. We do not pray. You know, it has become a custom. It has become a habit in our lives not to pray. You know, some of us having an understanding that prayer is we need to pray 24 hours. So I just pray wherever I go. I pray in my work. I pray in my school. I pray while I'm driving. I pray while I'm sleeping. Then the question is, when do you work? When do you sleep? And when do you eat? If you are praying 24 hours, probably you will not be able to do the rest of the things. But the question is, what is your time? When are we praying? You know, prayer is not just an activity which we can do with the other couple of other activities. Prayer is a connection between you and God. You know, when we pray, probably, you know, someone else cannot really tap into our connection. Because we don't want someone else to listen to what we are speaking to God. We don't want someone else to listen to what God is, you know, downloading into our lives. Prayer is a one-way, two-way connection between you and God. You know, God is talking about the time that we keep aside to sit at the presence of God. If it is, it may be half an hour, it may be one hour, it may be five minutes. You know, whatever we do, it is just between us and God. And this morning, just want to, you know, just give a general introduction before we really get into the topic. Just want to talk about some of our expressions of our service. You know, as we serve God, we do a couple of things. You know, being Pentecostals, we do sometimes, you know, we do more of those things in our lives as we worship the Lord. A couple of things that we do is we obviously, we praise God. We thank God. And at times we, you know, we join together in worship and worship God. And we also pray to God. And we make different kinds of prayer. We pray for our own need. We pray for someone else and we, at times, you know, we pray for uh, just, just surrendering our lives before God. We pray for, you know, committing our ways to God. We pray at times, you know, confessing our sins to God. There are many different kinds of prayer. We call it as an intercessory prayer or we call it as a, you know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a spiritual warfare we make. There are different, many different kinds of prayer. So we're talking about this morning. 
the kind of things that we do when we come together in the presence of God. We praise God, we thank God, we worship God, we also pray to God. You know, I feel it is very important for us to know what exactly praises, what exactly thanksgiving is, what exactly worship is, and what exactly prayer is, so that we will be able to differentiate prayer from the rest of the activities. We'll be able to differentiate worship from the rest of the activities that we have when we come together in the presence of God. And even we carry that presence into our personal lives, and we do the same thing. We praise, we worship, we thank, give thanks, and we pray. You know, these things become part of our lives. And on the other day, I was just sharing with you, we are a different people. You know, that's the reason people outside, they are not able to understand us. When, we're about, when your car is about to hit on something, maybe in another car, you just scream and say that, Jesus, which nobody does. People outside, they don't do it. They may say something else. When your child is sick, you kneel down and pray. You don't rush to the hospital. We are different. That's the reason people around us are having difficult time to understand us. We are made different. We are called to walk in a difference that we make today in this world. You know, that's the will of God. That's what God expects in our lives. We are certainly different. But this morning we are trying to understand in what way we are different from the rest. What is the expectation of God in your life and my life so that we will be able to do that and we'll be able to meet the expectation of God? Let's start with praise. What is praise? In very simple term, if you want to define praise, it is just giving honor to God for who he is. You know, when, when do you praise? Probably when do you praise your children? when they are worthy for their praise, right? You know, sometimes as husbands, our wives, they may, you know, prepare something which is really good. And they serve that in the table and then they just keep looking at our face, expression, just want to know, you know, how do we react to this taste of the food? And most of us do not have any reaction, right? So, um, you know, I tell my wife, <coughs> If I'm not saying anything, that means it is good. Right? You know, most of us are like that. We don't say anything. We just eat it and finish it and get out from the table. That means it's good. It's good. You know, but God expects us to praise when something is or someone is worthy of that praise. When the food is really delicious, when it, is, it tastes very well, wife expects us to praise, give a praise to her. Children, when they perform really well in their schools, you know, they expect us to give a praise. Think about our God. He deserves all our praise. You know, when we think, when we realize who our God is, and when we want to honor him for who he is, you know, that's the time we praise God. It's basically an acknowledgement of his attributes, who God is. How do we express that? We express that by praising him. Is it biblical? Yes, it is biblical. When we come together in the presence of God, you know, that, that's a good time to give praise to God. Because we are just in that flow. We are in his presence. We are, you know, guided and led by somebody in worship. It's a good time to give praise to God. 
when we think about our God, when we think about all his goodness, all his greatness, how amazing he is, how wonderful he is, we are left out with no, no option other than praising him. Just want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, quickly to Psalm 150. You know, it's a very beautiful psalm. Most of us, you know, neglect that psalm because it's just the last psalm in that book. So let's turn to Psalm 150. This psalm gives a beautiful definition of what praise is. I'm just going to read that psalm. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with a lute and harp. Praise him with a timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, this scripture, what I read, it gives definition for praise. There are 13 times the term praise repeats in these six verses. There are 13 times we see the word praise is repeating in these six verses. Verse 1 says, where do we praise God? Verse 1 talks about, you know, God wants us to praise Him. But He says, where we can praise Him? Can we read verse 1? It says, praise God in His sanctuary. Can you just repeat that after me? Praise God in His sanctuary. Where God expects us to praise Him. God expects us to praise Him in His sanctuary. When we come together to worship Him, God wants us to praise Him. And it also says, praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him in the heavens. Who are praising God in the heavens? Angels. Angels are praising God in the heavens. And God has given us equal responsibility, equal expectation of what He expects from the angel. He wants us to praise Him from the earth. You know, think about it. Angels are praising Him in heaven. And we as human, we are praising God Almighty from the earth. You know, that's why it becomes important when we gather together, we praise God. Why we need to praise God? Verse 2 says, Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Why do we praise God? Praise God for His mighty acts. How powerful our God is. How mighty our God is. Now how awesome, wonderful, miracle working our God is. We need to praise God for his greatness, excellent greatness. And it says, how do we praise God? Very beautiful. How do we praise God? Verse 3 to 6. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals and with clashing cymbals. You know, all the instruments that we see today, they are just made to praise God. But you know what the devil has done? He has stolen all these instruments and he made these instruments to give praise to Him. You know, that's what exactly is happening. You know, all the ability, all the skills, all the wisdom that God has given to mankind is to praise Him. With all our abilities, all our skills, music skills, our singing vocal skills. You know, with all this, God expects us to praise Him. But the devil has robbed everything. You know, some of us write songs and sing praise to God. 
It is our job. We should be doing it for God. Not the person who is outside. God's children are called to do this. Because that's what scripture says. When God created angels, when God created human, it's for one purpose, to praise him. With all the skills that we see today around us. You know, I just uh, want you to turn your attention to a beautiful scripture in Luke. As Jesus spoke these precious words in Luke chapter 19. I have a couple of verses this morning to uh, flip through. Luke chapter 19, verses 37 to 40. The context is, Jesus was entering into the city of, Jer- city of Jerusalem. As he was riding over a donkey, he, in fact, it was his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. As he was descending from Mount Olives, people around him, as we read from, uh, I guess, verse 38, Luke 19, People were shouting. In fact, let's go go back to 37. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Saying, this is what they said, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You know, they were so loud. They were so loud. You know, that's the reason we need to praise God loudly. Verse 39 says, And some of the Pharisees called to them from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why disciples need to be rebuked? Because they are so loud. They are so loud. You know, when we praise God so loud, there are Pharisees, you know, they want us to be quiet. The devil out there, he wants us to be quiet. Because he knows that Jesus is honored when we praise him with loud voice. Scripture is very precise, loud voice. And Pharisees did not like it. Who don't like loud voice, praising God loudly? Pharisees. Just get that clearly from me. Pharisees do not like to praise God loudly. Some of the Pharisees told, teacher, rebuke them. And verse 40 says, but Jesus answered and said to them, listen to this. I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. If these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. That means if you cannot praise God loudly, I will make the stones to praise me. You know, you know what, a, what, a, what, a, what a pathetic situation that is. God made you. God gave you everything. And God blessed you with everything. And we are not able to praise him with a loud voice. If Jesus is here, probably he would call us Pharisee. Pharisee. God expects us to praise him with a loud voice. There is a reason. Because the demon tremble. There is a reason. Because sicknesses will leave when you praise him with a loud voice. Because the devil doesn't like it. The Pharisees, they don't like it. And Jesus was telling, if you do not do it, I will make things out of nothing. God is depending on us to praise him. Let's move further. Praise is one of the expressions that we do when we get together in the presence of God. Thanksgiving. Why do we thank God? We thank God for what he has done in our lives. God has done so many things in our lives. So many blessings he brought forth in our lives. You know, this morning when I got up, I just wanted to thank God because my house is not burnt. Simple reason. 
Simple reason. When you look at somebody, those who are working in the hospitals, just want to thank God because we are not just one among them who is lying in the bed for years together. Just want to thank God. There are many sicknesses around. There are many terminal sicknesses around. Thank God because I don't have one today. Probably some of us had and God healed it already. Or we don't know. Maybe we may be having it, but we are walking in the healing. We are walking in, his divine, walking in divine healing. We don't know. We have all the reason to thank God for what he has done to us. You know, in fact, thanking God is not an option to a believer. It is a commandment to a believer because Psalm 106 verse 1. Psalm 106, let, let's read this very beautiful scripture. Psalm 106 verse 1 scripture says, it's a very well known scripture that we know. Oh, give thanks to God for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. It is good to thank God. It is good to give thanks to God. You know, in fact, in the New Testament, in First Thessalonians, there is another scripture I can, I can just read that for you. First um, Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 18, scripture says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, as I said, thanksgiving is not an option. God is saying, it is the will of God that we give thanks to him in everything. It is the will of God that we give thanks to him in everything. You know, when do we, when we will be able to give thanks to him? When we realize how good our God is. How many blessings that he brought forth in our lives. You know, some of us at times, you know, have a, have a tendency of looking into those things which we do not have. There are many things that we don't have, I don't have, that someone else has. There are many blessings that I don't have today that someone else has. You know, many times we get discouraged by looking into those things that we do not have. If we, we are of that nature, we can't give thanks to God. And this morning, God expects you to, you to give thanks and God expects us to give thanks because what God has given to us, what God has done to us. Do you know that it is an expectation of God? Do you know that it is a heart of God to thank him? Think about the, the, the miracle that Jesus performed. When Jesus was on the face of this earth, when he was walking in the street and performing the miracles, at one point of time, there were 10 lepers they came to Lord Jesus. If you remember that, there are 10 leopards they came, lepers they came. And Jesus, did he heal one or many or all? No idea. All? Jesus healed all 10. All 10 of them, they got healed and they went. And finally, who came to Jesus? Only one. And who was he? Any idea? Come on. How many times have we read the Bible? Who, who came to Jesus? Samaritan came to Jesus. A Samaritan came to Jesus. Only a Samaritan. Only a foreigner. Who was a stranger. He came back to Jesus. And he came. And he knelt down. And he gave thanks to God. And Jesus asked him, Where are those nine? Where are those nine? Did they not heal all ten? Only you, a foreigner, came to me to give thanks. Where are you know it shows the expectation 
of God, the heart of God. And this morning, I just want, can I, can I have a little more voice? Uh, this morning, I just want you to, you know, get down to that, grab that. It's just the heart of God that we should give thanks to Him. It is the heart of God that he, it's an expectation of God that we thank Him. So the second thing we do when we get together in the presence of God, we thank Him. Thirdly, we worship Him. Now we know that we know what is praise, what is thanksgiving, what is worship. Just want you to put together praise and thanksgiving in complete surrender. That's worship. Just a simple definition. You give praise to God and you give thanks to God for what He has done. You give praise to God for what, who He is. And now, you surrender yourself in the presence of God. Humble yourself in the presence of God. That turns into worship. just want you to read Romans chapter 12. The well-known scripture. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Scripture says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. What is worship? Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, how do we do that? How do we present our bodies as a living sacrifice? How sacrifice is presented? It is bound and it is kept on the altar. You know, that's how sacrifice is kept. It is kept in total surrender. The sacrifice cannot just get up and walk. You know, can you imagine when, when, when a goat is kept ready for sacrifice. And you are about to, you know, just kill that as a sacrifice and the goat gets up and walks away. Can you imagine that? No, we don't want that. We want the goat to be bound and kept at the altar. You know, some of us, when we come into the presence of God, we are not bound. We are like just a free goat. Even as I speak, we are just like a free goat, right? Our mind is not here. We just move everywhere, everywhere. We cannot surrender ourselves. When we come together in the presence of God in worship, our mind needs to focus on God. Only on God. That's what Romans 12.1 is talking about. Presenting our bodies, that means surrendering completely as a living sacrifice into the presence of God. That is worship. Worship is not just emotion. Worship is not just a wave. Worship is not just, you know, just, just screaming and shouting. Worship is not just raising our hands and waving. Worship is surrendering us in the presence of God. You know, when we humble and when we surrender, the worship is ascending into the presence of God. You know, when miracles happen, when we surrender more and more, and when we get delighted, more in the presence of God. When we surrender ourselves completely and we just focus only in God, you know, there is a moment. That's the time we receive the miracles. Miracles can happen very well when we worship. If we surrender. If we surrender. True worship is always God-centered worship. True worship is not music-centered, it's not music-driven, it's not, you know, depending on what kind of song, what, what, what tempo with which we sing that song. True worship is God-centered worship. Are we able to sing back to God? Are we, able to, are we motivated in our worship to focus more on God?
True worship is always God-centered. Jesus spoke in John 4.24, True worshipers must worship Him in truth and spirit. What does it mean in truth and spirit? From the heart. Not from the lips, just from the heart. And in spirit. Spirit, Holy Spirit is the only one who connects us with the Father. With Son Jesus. And when we allow Him to connect our lives with God, you know, that's the time we get into the stream of worship. You know, worship has much more than what we know today, what we, know, what we do today. God expects us to worship Him in truth and spirit. Only Jesus, only our God Almighty is who deserves the worship. Nobody else. No saints. No idols. No statues. No human being. No one else deserves the worship. Only God Almighty. Just want to, you know, turn your attention to Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Revelation chapter 19, when John was in the Isle of Patmos, as Lord God was showing the things which are yet to come, at one point of time, when an angel of God appeared before John, Scripture says in Revelation 19.10, And I fell at his feet to worship him. He, all that he saw was an angel. When an angel appears, we see the presence of God because the glory of God is seen in an angel. It's a powerful being. A spirit being is appearing in front of a human being. And moment John saw that, he, he, he said, but uh, he was just trying to worship the angel. But the angel said to John, see that you do not do that. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, I just want you to take this to your Catholic friends and tell them. This is the verse. That God has told him not even to worship an angel. How can you worship saints? How can you worship human being? God wants us to worship him. Only he deserves all our worship. You know, this worship is not confined in the church. We take this worship wherever we go. We take this worship to our house. We take this worship to our workplaces. In every moment, every minute, you know, our being is worshiping God Almighty. Finally, let's move into prayer. We talked about praise, thanksgiving, worship, and prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is in simple words, talking to God. Just simple words, talking to God. Other you know, expressions in the scripture are seeking God's face. Pouring out our soul at the feet of God, like Hannah came into the presence of God. And just she was, she was praying. She was praying in the presence of God, but probably words were not coming out. She was just pouring his, her soul in the feet of God. Prayer. It's just pouring our soul in the presence of God. Crying out to heaven. In 2 Chronicles we read that. We cry out to heaven when we pray. When we pray, Psalmist says, we draw our hearts closer to God through prayer. In Ephesians we read, we kneel down before the Father in prayer. Prayer is talking to God, communicating with God Almighty. You know, prayer is also a form of service. Prayer is also a form of service. You know, God has commanded us to pray. In many areas in the scripture, we read, you know, Jesus is asking us to pray. Jesus was asking the disciples to pray. You know, in fact, if you take Jesus, the life of Jesus, he was a man of prayer. 
Even though he was God, he was praying. Early in the morning, he just left into a deserted place. And Jesus was all alone in that place, praying to God the Father. He went to a sol- you know, solitary place and he was just all alone, praying to God. You know, prayer is very, very important. And this morning, I just want to turn your attention to prayer. You know, prayer is an ingredient in the life of a believer. Prayer is, is, is it's a must that we need to have in our lives. In the early church, in the book of Acts, we read that Acts chapter 2, verse 44 says, you know, what was going on in the, in, the, in the early church? In the early church, the believers were praying. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, just want to read that for you, Acts 2, 42. And they continued steadfastly, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. You know, the early church was a praying church. You know, someone said this way, if you know, want to know the size of your church, how big or how small your church is, don't come on Sunday morning, but come on a time, come in a time when they have prayer meeting. When they have a fasting prayer, if there are four of them, that's your, that's your church, the size of your church. You know, prayer is very, very important. There are a couple of reasons that God wants us to pray for. When we are in need, we are asked to pray. And even Jesus said the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are very, very few. And God was asking us to pray just so that the God of the harvest may send laborers. Just don't pray for the harvest, but pray for the laborers so that laborers can go and do the harvest. God, is, God wants us to pray if you want to know the will of God. God wants us to pray when we are going through difficult times in our life. God wants us to pray when we are standing in a crossroad. We don't know where to turn this side or that side. God wants us to pray. God expects us to pray. Praying for our needs. Scripture very clearly says, Ask, it will be given. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will open. You know, these are the rules that God has given us. And God wants us to pray. Certain things are not happening in our lives because we do not pray. You know, we are not able to grow in our spiritual lives because we are not praying. Our children are walking away from God because our prayer is not enough. Sickness is not leaving our home because our prayer is not enough. You know, at times prayer is needed for our families. Prayer is needed for churches to grow. Church is not able to reach out because they lack prayer. Church is struggling over finances because they don't pray. They close the church on Sunday morning and they open the door only on the next Sunday morning. There is absolutely no prayer. There is no fasting. Children of God are not fasting and praying. At least if we do not fast in one time, at least in a week. I would say that you know, God, will, God will make you to fast very soon. God will make you to fast. At least one time you must fast and pray. You know, it is the will of God that we need to pray. Prayer is coming in agreement with God. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, If two of you are in agreement concerning anything that you ask, it will be done by my Father in heaven. You know, prayer is coming in agreement. In Luke 18, 1 to 8, we read a parable there. A widow, coming to a, just, a widow coming to a judge who is unjust, who is not a man of God. And this man of God, this, this judge used to neglect that widow. Just, just get away. I'm not going to do anything for you. 
But this widow kept on coming. Kept on coming every day. She came and knocked the door. Judge, can you do justice for me? Can you do justice for me? And he was not a godly man. But even though he was not a godly man, because this widow was so persistent, every day she was bothering him. And eventually, he did justice for that widow. And Jesus was teaching this precious parable. And he is telling us this morning, how important that you need to persist. You need to follow God with the determination. Lord, until you give, I'm not going to leave you. Until you do this in my life, Lord, I'm not going to be satisfied. Just pray to God. Prayer brings blessing in our personal lives. Finally, just want to close by saying, what is intercessory prayer? <coughs> our ministry is known as House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries. And if any of you, anyone asks you, what is intercession? What is the answer probably we may give? We may give, okay, there's a prayer conference going on. You know, they intercede. Is it the responsibility of somebody who is special to intercede? I don't think so. It is the responsibility of every believer to intercede. What is intercession? Intercession is nothing but standing in the gap. As a human, you are standing in the gap on behalf of someone. And you are representing somebody to God. Think about Moses. Think about Abraham. Zodom and Gomorrah was about to be destroyed. And Abraham was standing in the gap. Lord, 50 righteous. Lord, 40 righteous. Lord, 10 righteous. 5 righteous. You know, he was just bargaining God. Lord, can you spare the land? You know, that is what is intercession. Moses was coming down from the mountaintop. And he could not see what the children of God were doing. They were worshipping idols. Even he had to just drop the, the tablets that he had in his hand. And he did that. And he went back to the presence of God. You know, God was so angry with the children of Israel. And he was saying that, I'm just going to consume them by sending fire from heaven. Moses was standing in the gap. And he was telling God, Lord, do not destroy them. You know, what made Moses to do that? You know, I used to think about it. What made Moses to do that? Are they Moses' friends? Are they Moses' relatives? Are they Moses' own children? No, not at all. They are strangers. Moses was standing in the gap and telling, Lord, blot me out of the book of life, Lord. But spare these people. You know, that is what is intercession. You know, this morning I pray that God may put that spirit in your life. God may put that spirit of intercession in each and every one of us. Think about Jesus as he was hanging at the cross. Think about Stephen as he was stoned to death. He was standing there, looking up above heaven. And he saw Jesus, the son of man, standing at the door, at the heaven's door. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he saw the glory of God. He knew very well the moment has come. But you know, nothing could separate him from the intercession. He was interceding, Lord, do not ask the bloodshed upon them. Do not ask the blood guilt upon these people, Lord. Spare them. Spare them. That is what is intercession. Intercession is characterized by fervency. The determination, Lord, do not destroy the land. You know, today so many things are coming upon this land, one after another. And as a children of God, as a church of God, you and I have a responsibility. You and I are called to do something. To pray against those things which are coming in the land. You know, that is what is intercession. And God has called each and every one of us to stand in the gap. There is no doubt about it.
there is no doubt about it if moses was called today i am called if abraham was called you are called too it is characterized by the fervency self denial when we intercede for somebody you are not praying for yourself you are praying for somebody else you deny yourself willing to pay the cost you know i honor those sisters those who are getting together in the prayer conference in the afternoon time for one hour or one and a half hours interceding you know they pay the price their children may be coming from school but you know they may be asking them to cook something for them but they say that i am at the time of prayer you need to wait you need to wait because i need to intercede this is my priority i just want to keep that aside i just need to do the will of my master prayer intercession makes us to pay the cost we see god's glory not our own glory when you intercede most of the time you are not rewarded in this world most of the time i tell our intercessors if you pray for somebody if you intercede for someone don't even expect them to turn back and tell you when god answered their prayer you need to have that heart then only you can intercede i know some of our sisters they have been praying for some couple to be blessed with a baby they've been praying few days after they started praying god answered their prayer and they went through the pregnancy they delivered the baby they never bothered to tell about tell to that sister that sister kept on praying lord bless her with the baby bless her with the baby a baby was born it is one year or two years then they came to know the baby is already born as an intercessor do not even expect people to turn back and tell you when god answered them it is our job to pray for them not to seek our glory but to seek the glory of god but to seek the glory of god and this morning i just want to close here god expects us to pray shall we close our eyes hope you are blessed by this teaching please write to pastor balan swaminathan at balan@hipm.org at god bless you